Miss the latest episode of your favorite CGSW 90.9 program? Listen back to the podcast versions by going to our website or by checking out our brand new CGSW app. Available to download now from the App Store or Google Play. You're listening to CJSW 90.9 FM. Hey, on the set. Camera speed. Sound production, take one. Welcome, welcome everyone to a very special Christmas episode of Movie Night with Sif. I'm your host, Gabby, and guest hosting today, we have our Partnerships and Donations Manager, Lucia Julio. Say hi, Lucia. Hi. Today's guest is an outstanding Sif alumnus director who's bringing wholesome holiday fun to Prime Video. Scott Sikma actually got his start as a child actor in Toronto, eventually going on to study film and classic animation under Steve Rabatich of Disney Pixar Studios. Since then, Scott has worked on the sets of CW's The Flash and Christopher Nolan's Interstellar most recently acting as the first AD on Miracle in East Texas and Walter Hill's Dead for a Dollar, starring Christoph Waltz and Willem Dafoe. This holiday season, Scott is blessing local audiences with his latest movie, Christmas by the Book. In this kooky and delightful tale of Christmas misadventure, Holly Kincaid is a best-selling author whose holiday novel, Christmas on Candy Cane Lane, becomes an instant classic. But when her work is challenged by a pushy TV interviewer, her family must scramble to reenact her novel's vision of an idyllic Christmas. Here to tell us all about his career, his film, and the holiday hijinks that ensue is Scott Sigma. Hi, Scott. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thanks I'm for having me. I'm doing good. Happy holidays. Thank you for being on. Oh, of course. Now, I want to start to what I found this really interesting. You were a child actor. Yes. How <laughs> was it growing up in the biz? What was going on there? It was fun. I've always been like kooky and crazy and love doing like stage and production and film kind of was my next jump. My sisters did acting and background stuff and One day I followed my sister to set and signed from there and did like one Saturday morning and the nook and some stuff on Barney back in the day that I don't Mm, like to discuss that much. (laughs) Wait, where were you for Barney? Did they shoot that in Toronto? Uh, They shoot it back and forth in Chicago. Oh, okay. They do a lot of B-roll stuff back and forth in Toronto on season like two and three. And then it got kind of odd as a child actor. It wasn't as much fun. I was always doing school on set and my mom rushing me like, out the door, we need more headshots, out the door, we need to drive to Toronto, we need to go here. And I kind of fell out of it for a bit. And then they ended up filming a movie in my hometown when I was living in Pontypool. And day after day after day after school, I just went and sat there and watched. And I was like, no, I need this. I want to get back into this. Yeah. Out of high school, I got a job interview with Disney and Steve Rapitich and worked there for about two years back and forth as an animator and loved it. But it always was kind of back in my mind, like, I want to go back to film, I want to go back to film. And as soon as I finished schooling, Christopher Nolan picked me up as his assistant. Wow. Wow. They were filming Interstellar and Inception around here. And I came in my day one and his other assistants and accountants and everything in the production office are like, so he usually goes through an assistant every about two weeks. So you'll get two weeks with him at least. And I was like, I, I like, I was so blessed to get that opportunity and like yeah. went and worked with him and ended up hitting it off with him and then oh. sold me to the Revenant and back and forth. And then I went into live broadcasting. And then finally one day, my friend Carly, who's one of my besties called me from Vancouver and she's like, I'm on the arrow, get over here, start oh. working back in film, dragged me over there within a day. I was working on the flash and <laughs> Worked my way up as a PA into a tad, into a second, a third, or into a third, a second, a first, and now directing back and forth. That's crazy. Well, going back to animation, what was it about that that drew you in? It was the fact of drawing. Like, I definitely was more of a loner kid in, like, elementary and high school, and I confided in my sketchbooks. 
they gave me the drop off of a drawing I drew in the car ride to the interview. No way. Yeah, and I was like, I drew this in the car, a, a Timon and Pumbaa, just in the back seat, like nervous, sweating, like, I don't want to do this. They're never going to pick me. I'm so young. Like, how old were you? Uh, I was 18. Oof, oh my God. That's incredible. Yeah, so I was terrified at the same time. So you must have gotten quite an education working with Steve. It was, it was great. They taught me, well, actually, the first like two, three months with them was just like, you're a horrible drawer and you're going to forget everything you ever learned. Oh. And it was going back to basics. Like, this okay. is how you draw the line of action. This is how you draw certain things. But I love like learning with them and everything. And I find even when I'm doing my storyboards and everything like that as a director, it, I, everything looks like Disney. That's kind of what I like about feature films too. It's you're taking a script and you're drawing it in real life. Oh, that's amazing. What a great way to look at it. So what made you switch over to live action? We were working on this project, Yogi Bear, and it was half live action, half animation. And there was like Anna Ferris and Brendan Fraser and all that back in the day. And we were getting samples sent up to the studio and we were imitating them. And it was that movie that I was like, you know what? I want to go back to live action. And I was even telling Steve, I was like, this is my calling. Like, I want to go back to live. And they're like, well, you need schooling and you're already an animator and this and that. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but my calling is live. And yeah. yeah, two weeks after that, I quit there, stopped being an animator. And I was enrolled in University of Lethbridge. Amazing. I did a four-year course in almost two and a half years just because I did night school, summer school. I was like, get it done, get it done. <laughs> I want to get back to movies. Right at the end of my university, I first did a movie called Prairie Dog, which was this horror movie about these mutant prairie dogs. Okay. <laughs> and Interstellar was filming at the exact same time. And they were looking for more production assistance because Christopher Nolan just let his go. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm working on this other movie as a first AD. I will be his assistant. Like, I will drop all the way down to the bottom and I just want to follow him. Yeah, fair. And they were like, yeah, sure, why not? If you want to take that jump backwards. I'm like, it's not a jump backwards to me. <laughs> no. He knew that I wanted to be a director. He knew I wanted to go through this. And he would joke to like makeup and hair, like, keep an eye out. One day Scott's going to be your boss. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, like, thank you. <laughs> and he even said to me, like, everything he learned was from being on set. But like, even Christopher Nolan was the same. He was like, Scott, this is why I'm doing this. And what do you think about this? And yeah, my like claim to fame on that movie is when the books fall off the shelf art department let me push the broom yes. <laughs> every time i see those books fall off the shelf i'm like that's me <laughs> amazing <laughs> loved it like, so pivotal your directorial debut root of the problem had its premiere at the calgary international film festival in 2019 i remember i was at that screening there were so many people the vibe was so much fun like just tell us a little bit about it what was it like seeing your vision come to life in that way it's actually like an unfortunate thing and i didn't i talked to sif a little bit about it um when the time came i got into a really bad car accident <gasps> right before that screening oh and my I gosh. lost it was six months of me working on getting my speech back my movement back my mobility so I did zero interviews for root of the problem I couldn't I only did writing ones through producers and then on the premiere I worked for like two days not saying a word trying to like catch my breath everything I did photos didn't tell the cast and then the like 35 seconds I spoke after the movie was like the most words I spoke in like about a month. Oh my and God. And trying to get it out so that nobody could see it too much. And then, yeah, like spit out those words as fast as possible. But I loved the experience. I loved looking back at the photos, but the my biggest like, and it, it kind of sucks, but when I look back at it, it's random photos that I see of Sif. I don't remember much sitting in the theater. I don't remember talking to too many people. My big thing in my mind that I remember that I giggle about was telling everyone, like, you better vote for a five or I'm going to hunch down. <laughs> well, speaking of Sif picks, actually, you were first AD on one of our bigger films this year. 
which was Dead for a Dollar. Yes. So that film was written and directed by legendary director Walter Hill. For those unfamiliar, Walter Hill directed 48 Hours with Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte, the cult classic The Warriors. He also produced Aliens. I imagine it would be very intimidating, although maybe after Christopher Nolan, nobody's intimidating. Walter Hill to me was a little bit more intimidating because I grew really? up like watching The Warriors and like 48 Hours and like I love Bullet to the Head and all those movies mm. and especially Alien. I'm Oof, like my yeah. brother got me into Alien when I was a kid and nonstop. And I'm like, and he, Walter still has parts with like Predator and all those. Those all go back to him yeah. still and like well residuals, which would be nice. But <laughs> it was phenomenal working when I when I heard it coming through the studio and everything. I begged and called and everything to these producers in Alberta here that I knew it working on it. And it's Carolyn McMaster at Chaos a Film Company. And I just nonstop. I was like. You don't even have to pay me. Like I will, ju- I will fly myself to the states. I will work on that set for free. Like I just want to shadow Walter. He he's a very serious man, and we had a meeting two weeks in. And I'm French, so when I speak English, and I'm like, I know even my producers are gonna be like, why would you say that on the air? But when I see words, I pronounce them as they are. Yeah. So my first meeting with Walter and all these bigwigs from LA, and I'm like, okay, going through the schedule. I was like, we're filming in Chihuahua, and. Oh. They just like all stopped me and they're like, what? I was like, well, yeah, we go from New Mexico town and then we're in Chihuahua. <laughs> and they're just like, Scott, you mean Chihuahua? Oh, Chihuahua? Yeah, and I was like, no! oh my God. And like Walter Hill and all, everyone's laughing at me. And I'm like, oh it my God. It took gosh. me a second because like, I was like, Chihuahua. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> and and then it was even worse because I once said it like Christoph Waltz and like Willem Dafoe. Oh, all of them like, oh, Even no. Rachel Brosnahan were like, Scott, are we in Chihuahua today? Oh, like, no. oh my gosh. Like, go back to your chair. Sit down. Like, every day, Willem Dafoe would come up and be like, Chihuahua. Oh, <laughs> Don't gosh. say that. All my movies now, I've always had someone shadowing, either shadowing me as a first or shadowing me as a director. And I'm, I learned all my things from learning on set. So yeah. why shouldn't someone else get that opportunity? Every time I start movies, I always start with Helen Hunt's speech from What Women Want. Yeah, yeah. There's room for everybody. Like, oh, yeah, so it's really is. great to have that attitude. And we should all be walking around quoting Helen Hunt at all times. Yes, yes. I got to work with her actually on a movie. She was the sweetest. Oh. It's funny, though, because I'm like, I brought up Twister once and she's like, I don't want to talk about it. Uh-oh. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on. Dead for a Dollar does also feature some great lead actors that we've mentioned, like Willem Dafoe, Christoph Waltz and Rachel Brosnahan. Do you have any memorable moments from working with them on set? They're all sweethearts. They're all fun. I like Christoph Waltz every day, like coming to set. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Christoph. So like serious and all that. So then he'd be like, oh, I'll give you a hug. And, he'd be like, <laughs> and then I'd have to run off set to go fix a schedule or line changes. And he'd be like, do you really have to leave, Scott? Like it sets funner when you're there. Like just Aww. just come do something. <laughs> like That's I'll so be nice. back. And then Rachel, too. I was like, Rachel was a blast. I was like, we went out a few times, which was great. Like, we did karaoke the one night with the crew. And I'm like, Uh, they're all such great, normal people. And especially the marvelous Miss Maisie. Like, I've watched that, too. So she, like, quotes from it. We giggle about it. And Willem Dafoe, too. He wasn't there for too long. It was a shorter visit for him because I was fighting with Aquaman. And he just got off another movie. And I had to fly him out to Europe back and forth. And their production department's like, Scott, like, no, we need him. And I'm like, well, I'm shut down for two days like i like have to get through this madness they were fun it was there was a lot of big names too just coming in for like a day or two here and there Mm -hmm. i was like this is well so many of them were my idols and they're a lot of them are a-list celebrities and they understand how things work so they understand like it's gonna be 20 minutes for this new setup like and they're like okay i'll go sit down right here i'm just ready to go yeah like perfect like perfect with interstellar though was michael kane 
phenomenal. One <sighs> take wonder. That speech in Interstellar, that's his first take no! all the way through. Oh he did God. it twice just as a backup, but the first one he did, that's his speech. And just like, we're in the middle of a silo where we built this barn set where he's inside of a spaceship and like, just like comes on a set, like boom, into character all the way through the whole speech. And it's like, is that good? Like, okay. yeah. <laughs> was that okay? Yeah. Yes, Michael Caine. That yeah. was okay. Yeah, that was yeah. Okay. yeah, it was like, uh, okay. That's why he's such an icon. Oh, yeah. Like Christoph Waltz and like, especially Rachel Brosnan, they're so precise on their stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful seeing how much they get into character and like seeing that level and caliber of acting was phenomenal. They all did phenomenal job. And then seeing Walter, how he worked with it and how he worked around and got them to bring out that best character. I was so blessed to get that experience. We do have to talk about this new movie. Oh, my Christmas one. Let's oh, yes. talk <laughs> about this movie. Um, so you directed this one. Yes. It's called Christmas by the Book, and it'll be out on streaming in a little over a week here on December 17th. Oh, yeah, that's getting so close. Yeah. Oh. Uh, tell us about the film. What's it about? Why should people go see it? Uh, so Christmas by the Book, it's, it's funny because I read the script like five years ago, maybe in a box of Christmas movies, just going through. And I was like, which ones, which ones, which ones? Mm. And I found that one and I was like, this one's fun. Like, it's different than all the Hallmark movies. It wasn't like, and like, I don't mean to put Hallmark down at all. Like, I love them. They give me the opportunities. They give me the chance and they, they believe in me to do these. But like, it wasn't the original cookie cutter girl leaves town, falls in love, needs Christmas spirit. Yeah. Everyone comes back together. <laughs> it was very much, there was quirkiness. And it's about two sisters, the one, uh, Lindy Booth, which... I grew up watching her on Relic Hunter mm. and like loved her to bits on that show. And then same with watching her on Librarians. So when she came in the first time, I was like, so uh, I'm obsessed with Relic Hunter. And she like <laughs> every day was Relic Hunter stories, which I loved. Oh, they wow. called it like the Lindy experience because she never filmed with the actual cast. It was always just her oh. in the offices. Working with her and then Anna-Marie Damari, she played the sister on it. I was like, I loved her too. And I was like, I loved her from Lost in Space. And I was like, oh my gosh, like she does phenomenal stuff. But it's about the two sisters. The one writes this beautiful Christmas book, but the last page is, it says like the perfect Christmas can never exist, blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. that piece is what drew me to the movie. And I was just like, oh, I like this. It's a book about here's the perfect Christmas, but telling everyone like it doesn't really exist. It's just imagination. While her other sister, um, Anna Marie, who's the publisher in the movie, she tears out the last page and publishes the book. Oh, no. So so Lindy doesn't know. They're doing book sightings and like everyone's always like, oh, I love this. I can't believe it. She always is getting cut off at the beginning of the movie. And then she gets on, like becomes publisher or her sister becomes publisher of the year. Lindy's (laughs) book comes like number two on the bestsellers and like everyone's obsessed with it. And then she gets to go on this amazing talk show and the talk show host is like being like, oh, I can't believe this happened this. And she's like, no, like it's great because the sister comes up on stage a moment and I'm like, I ruined one of the tastes because I was laughing so oh hard my at God. them. And the talk show host who's played by Amy Maticio, she's the talk show host and she's like, so I'm obsessed with this book. We're going to send you away to recreate exactly your childhood book. <laughs> the one's just like, this, this never happened. Like, she brings her two kids. And, like They want nothing to do with it. <laughs> and it's really about them bonding every day to become closer as a family. But every night when the camera crew's not there, they're practicing how to make like wreaths and how to make... <laughs> popcorn candy and like taffy pulls and it's such a heartwarming like fun little christmas movie and i laugh every time i watch them try to like do like caught or the stringing of the popcorn popcorn. i'm like i've never been able to do it which i i found out now i can do it 
because it's a specific you have to use kettle popcorn (gasps) and you have to put it into the fridge for like an hour and let it cool down and stiffen again and then you use a blunt needle to actually pierce it and then it doesn't shatter it doesn't just crack yeah it doesn't just Ah. crack i was like this should be instructions at Walmart, like on this. <laughs> yes. Like, hey, this is how you actually do it. I hope everyone's writing this down because I had no idea and I have flopped so hard trying to make these popcorn <laughs> garland things. Oh, yeah. The, everything just shatters. That movie is a fun family one. There's hardships of family. There's hardships in real life that I try to make reflect in the movie and try to bring it out for audiences to see. And especially with my actors and all that, I'm always telling them like, well, how would you do this? I'm not casting that actor. I'm casting you. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see that real story brought to life. And they, all of the actors brought it for me. They all brought their own special personalities. And even the little girl in it, Georgie Murphy, that's her first time ever acting in film. So I was, I was so excited. We have it introducing on the Yay. movie. And it's, yeah, it's phenomenal. I'm like, she just, she killed it. She was amazing. And I'm like, Everything she did, I was like, this is your first time? Like, this is your... Like, there's no, no way. <laughs> no way. But it, it, it became such a family, and especially we became such a family because we were filming in North Bay, Ontario, in the mm-hmm. middle of winter. Like, it was oh. cold. We were by the lake. Like, every day I'm inside my, like, tent next to a little ground heater, and, like, one by one square of grass on the ground has melted. And that's where I'm trying to stand until they're saying they're ready for me. And I quickly run outside with my jacket. I'm like, yes, let's go. It's good. It's great. It's great. Let's just do this. I'm oh too cold. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, I can't wait to see the movie. Would you say it was like a similar experience to directing other projects you've done or completely different? It, like there's similarities. I'm always going to grow as a director. And as a director, I'm going to bring stuff forward from every movie I work on. Mm-hmm. And that was the first feature I did after doing Dead for a Dollar with Walter Hill. And I just spent four months with him in the desert and learning from the greats. And it was like, this is how you stage, this is how you do things. And I tried to pull things that worked for him, but would work for me. So yeah. I tried to bring that into it. And I gave, I tried to give more freedom to my actors wherever I could and tried to give them more motivation wherever I could. And the only hard thing is when I work on these Hallmark Christmas, I'm like, my best word to use is cute. When you hear me say cute, I loved the scene. <laughs> and I'm like, I even heard Lindy say it a few times. She said to the one actor, she's like, if you hear cute, that means he's obsessed with the scene. <laughs> and I'm like, she, I heard it over the wa- the headsets because I'm like, I can always hear the actors. But they don't know I can hear them. Half the time. And I'm like, so I'm like, I, it's usually they turn the mics off right away, but mm. sometimes they forget. And I, I get to know more about the actor and what's going to help them. And yeah, I always sometimes go and bother sound and be like, what are they talking about? Do they need a hand with anything? Do they need an extra push? Do they need an extra oomph for this? And they're very much open to that ideas. And then I'm like, I go in and I'm like, I already know what they're thinking in their mind because I've heard it on the walkie. <laughs> So then I can go in and give them that. So it almost seems like their choice for stuff mm-hmm. it gives them more freedom and then lets them do what they're there for. It l- lets them be an actor. And that's why I hired them. Not everyone can be an actor and not everyone can do makeup. Not everyone can do all those things. I was mm-hmm. like, let them do what they're good at. Yeah. And that's what I brought from Dead for Dollar into Christmas by the book was here's some more freedom. This is what I'm going to teach them. And this is what I learned to be a better director. So. Now, the time has come to answer the question that every guest on Movie Night with Sif must answer. Okay. But because it is the holidays, <laughs> we have adjusted it. Usually we ask our guests, what is your most embarrassing festival story? And we have gotten some whoppers. <laughs> but because it's a holiday, we're going to ask you, what's been your most embarrassing holiday story? My mom's probably going to get mad at me telling this one. Mm-hmm. But 
So sounds good already. I was I think I was like 14 or 15. And like now I understand why like don't my kids use the oven or anything like this Uh (laughs) around Christmas. And I asked my mom, I want to make garlic toast for some reason. And it was late at night. And my mom's on the phone. My sisters are on the living room, everything. I grabbed one of the like trays, put it into the oven and turned on the oven and walked away. Well, my mom had this plastic kettle on top of the oven that I was just like, yeah, turn on the oven. That's perfect. It works. This plastic thing started melting and I panicked. My mom's still on the phone, everything. My sister's away. So I picked it up and I brought it outside after it started melting. It set off the CO2 alarms in the house. Oh, no. All of a sudden, coming down the street are four big fire trucks and all that. It's like 930 at night. All of a sudden, every house on my street, they're going door to door, banging on the doors, pulling everyone out of the house. My oh, sisters are no. screaming, like, get the cat, all the neighbors, all the kids are joining across the street in, like, this house. And I I didn't think anything of it at the time. Oh, like, my I was God. just like, oh, what a weird, like, coincidence. I'm 14, 15. I don't know this. Like, <laughs> there's no way that this burning of a kettle. And, but, yeah, the whole street, there was, like, about 22 houses on our street before it curved around the bend, they evacuated everyone out of all these houses, like children, families, pets, everyone's screaming, like crying, the street's gonna blow up. I'm freaking out, I'm crying, thinking our house is gone. We're all piled in a friend's house, drinking hot chocolate, like trying to like calm down. And it was a few hours, I think it was close to midnight. And they like finally started allowing everyone back in the house. And I'm sitting in the house and just sitting in the living room with the family. And my mom comes in and she's like, where's the kettle? Oh, no. <laughs> and she's trying to make tea to like calm down and just she's i see her like go through the kitchen i see her open the back porch and i just put it outside the back porch in the snow i'm like no it'll be fine it'll and, cool it down yeah my mom lifts it up and she's like scott <laughs> do you know what this is i was like a bawling my eyes like i didn't know i'd read your kettle and she's like no 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 that alarm is your fault. Oh, no! So, bawling my eyes out, the fireman came back an hour later and she made me stay up so that she can stand me in front of the fireman and tell them yes. that I burnt the kettle, I set off the CO2 alarm, and I didn't say Good anything. Good mom. Oh my yeah, God. That was, I still, like, I bring it up randomly sometimes, but, like, my mom still giggles about it. Even when I'm at home to this day around Christmas, she'll be like, do you want some tea, Scott? Are you sure? <laughs> I can make some for you because you can't touch the oven. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. Like, wow. Ev- like, ruined everyone's night. Like, just the way that it snowballed. I mean, you would just make oh, some yeah. garlic toast, then you melted the kettle. I was like, oh, that's embarrassing. You burnt down the kettle. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was brutal. Yeah, I got grounded pretty good for that one. Oh, well, you know what? That's pretty up there with some of the best stories we have. <laughs> I mean, that was some insane hijinks. That was quite wild. Um, I was not expecting it to snowball like that. <laughs> I want to ask you now, what other projects do you have coming up? I mean, you've been doing so many exciting things. What's coming down the pipe? Um, so I'm working right now. I'm breaking down two movies. One's called Sweet Summer Love. Um, it's about this candy competition that two people go in and one thing leads to another, but they both end up winning the same prize. Ooh. And it's, how are they going to solve this? It's it's really cute. I've seen a couple back and forth rewrites and it's getting cuter and cuter. And you know <laughs> me with the word cute. I love it. <laughs> and then my next one is Dresses in July. And it's about a struggling YouTube performer signing on with a struggling fashion designer. Oh. And she has this YouTube channel. He has a struggling fashion company. They want to help each other out to make it because she loves his clothing from back in the day. And so it's it's a really that one. I'm like, it's a beautiful love story. And like they end up like falling in love. I don't want to give too much of it away, <laughs> but it's still in development right now. It's still in the script phases and breakdowns. But 
that one will hopefully be next summer and then um they're already looking actually at fairmont to shoot both of those bumper to bumper oh that's gonna so be so it's cool like, this will be beautiful yes i'm working on documentaries um actually five different documentaries oh right now and they're each five episodes each they're already all filmed i only have one more left to go film and it's called magically medieval and it's five episode series about um live action role play oh fun yeah it's it's interesting i've never had an interest in that and now i've been doing this episode so i'm like this is cool like, <laughs> yeah. fighting classes i'm going for like how they make shields and swords yeah and, yeah it's it's really cool some of the stuff but it's it's a swamp schedule right now and they just keep throwing more at me and they're like oh you want to work on this you want to work on this and yeah I'm, I'm all over the place and even my side company i do graphic design and movie posters whatever i have free time i jump onto that so. you have free time no not usually um are you ready to play some games of course you gave me how long to prep i'm ready to go <laughs> Well, I'm glad to hear you're enthusiastic about the whole thing. I guess we got to start with One Star Reviews. Lucia, do you want to tell us what that's about? Absolutely. In this edition of One Star Reviews, we'll be reading out bad reviews given to iconic Christmas movies, and it's your job to guess what movie they're talking about. So first off, we have... Imagine devoting the next 50 years of your life to personally loathing everyone in your hometown because you got roasted in front of your second grade crush when you were eight. Oh, wow. <laughs> that almost sounds like the plot of every Hallmark movie. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> This one's a tough one, actually. It's like there always seems to be that character that's just like always out to get someone and you need that <laughs> holiday spirit to fix it. Would you like a hint? Yeah, I, actually, I'd love a hint for this one. It's animated. It's animated. Or sorry, the original is animated. The original was animated. Yeah, this was a live action version. Like as soon as you said that, I think like Eight Crazy Nights. Oh, is that your final guess? I think that is my final guess. I'm sorry. It was How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, oh as soon as you said animated, I was just like, oh, yeah, Adam Sandler hates Christmas. I'm like, <laughs> all the way through, watch that every Christmas. And I'm like, this is not even a Christmas movie. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Our next one is No, Adam Sandler cried to the sobbing animators. The deer shitting scene must be in the movie. Oh my gosh, now I want to go for Eight Crazy Nights. Ding, ding, ding! <laughs> you were one ahead. I was one ahead, there you go. Excellent. Uh, last one-star review is, Turned it off after Alan Rickman gave Emma Thompson a 10-pound CD for Christmas rather than the 270-pound necklace he gave his mistress because, quite frankly, I've been through enough this year. See, I like have that one at the tip of my tongue, but I've been in so much Christmas mode lately <laughs> that it's all been like Hallmarks and Super Channel and Amazon down my throat right now, right. which I, I love them. But as soon as you say those big names, I'm like, hmm, Alan Rickman. I'm like, I can picture the movie. Do you think I'd be better at this for Christmas movies right now? It's a two-word title. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty, like, generic title, quite frankly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, think, I think you got me on this one. All right, Lucia, what was it? This one is Love Actually. Oh. Love Actually. Oh, okay, yeah. Yep, there you go. I'm like, I was even like looking at the title because Love Actually, I'm like, the poster looks so much like New Year's Eve and like oh, Valentine's yeah. Day. Yes. And I was like, it's one of those ones. What is that? What is that? The next game is Hallmark or Hall Miss the Mark. This is a brand new game. We're testing it out for the first time. In this one, I will read you the plot of three films. Two of them are real Hallmark Christmas movies and one of them is fake. But can you tell me which one? All right. Which one's fake or which one's real? Which one is fake? Ooh, okay. Two of like them this. are real and one is fake. First one. Murder She Baked, a plum pudding mystery. A young baker is perusing a Christmas tree lot when she sees it. A dead body. 
With Christmas days away, she races to track down the killer and save the holiday season. This movie has it all. Quirky murderers, corrupt tree lot businessmen, and of course, holiday romance. The second one is called The Santa Incident. U.S. Homeland Security mistakes Santa's sleigh for an alien spacecraft and shoots him out of the sky over a small town. Never one to take a sick day, Santa whips the neighborhood into shape, turning it into an impromptu toy factory. All right, here's the last one. Vanilla Ice, Ice Cold Christmas Carols. Disillusioned with fame and fortune, 90s rap icon Vanilla Ice moves to a small town. There, he meets a ragtag church choir who've driven out the congregation with their lackluster performances. With Christmas service around the corner, Vanilla Ice must turn the choir from drab to rad in time to save the church and win back the congregation. You know, out of all of them, I'm like, it wouldn't surprise me if that one like got fully greenlit and there's sequels <laughs> and everything for it. Number one, I, I would definitely say it's a go. Hmm. Like, it's definitely a show. I've, I feel like I've heard this and I've worked for Front Street in Vancouver and wow. all other shows I like Murder, She Baked, Garden Party <laughs> Mysteries. Like, like, I feel like I've seen that one. The Vanilla Ice one, I feel like as soon as they presented it and Vanilla Ice, like, love him, but he does everything. Yeah, yeah. I feel yep. like number two would be the fake one because shooting Santa out of the sky, I feel like Hallmark would be like, mm, you got to change that plot a little bit. Well, I guess I better take this as a compliment. <clears throat> it's Vanilla Ice, <laughs> Ice Cold Christmas Carols. That one came hot off of my noggin. Oh my gosh. And I'll like, be pitching it and becoming a millionaire, apparently. Oh yeah, like even the name rolls off and I was like, oh yeah, totally. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go look that up when I get home. <laughs> I'm clearly in the wrong profession. I need to be in, I need to be in script writing. Christmas My The Book will be available on demand and streaming on December 17th through Super Channel on Prime Video. Scott, thank you so much for talking to us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a wrap. 